What a beautiful Lord's Day morning this is. And happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers and what else can we say? So it's a joy to see you today, to be together with the Lord's people on the Lord's Day, the Congregation of the Saints meeting together. We'll begin our service today, and we're delighted to have the ministry team from Bob Jones University with us and appreciate the heart of these men for ministry, and we're going to ask them to be participating everywhere they possibly can in the various activities and functions of our church, including the service this morning. Some will be playing instruments, and some will be leading singing and doing various kinds of things. How are you all today? Doing okay. All right. May the Lord make this a day of joy and blessing and rejoicing of great encouragement and strength and help. It's such a joy to welcome the missions team to our congregation, to our city. I think for most of them, this is the first time they've been in our uh, august, austere uh, advance to civilization. (laughs) Whatever we call it out here, it certainly, certainly needs the gospel. And we thank the Lord that these men have a heart for ministry. And it's our joy and honor to hear a message from Mr. Isaac Perry. He, I think, intends to be a pastor or a preacher of some kind. But he loves the word of God. And so do you have your Bibles? And uh, do you have your thinking caps on? That's what we call our braniums. Mind in gear, hearts open. Are you ready? Are you ready? May the Lord bless us. Brother Perry, come and preach God's word to us. Pastor. (laughs) Well, I do consider it such a blessing to be with you this morning. And I know I can speak on the behalf of my fellow men from Bob Jones that it is such a blessing to be here uh, and such a blessing to be done with school as well. Uh, But uh, yes, thank you so much for having us and happy Mother's Day. Unfortunately, I don't get to be with my mother today, but happy Mother's Day, Mom. I do love you. Um, And I'm not going to give a Mother's Day message because I'm 20 years old, I've never been married, and I'm not a father, and I just don't know how you do it, so I can't speak on something I don't know how you do. So I hope, I hope that's okay with you today, but today we are going to speak on something that each of us get to, gets to experience. We're going to talk about God's faithfulness. We're going to talk about God's faithfulness in our lives and the lives of His children. And I think that mothers are such a great reflector of God's faithfulness. I know there are so many things that I would never have been able to do without my mother. And there are so many things that, well, we can't do anything without God. There's nothing that we can do apart from our Heavenly Father. So today, the main thing that we're going to be talking about from God's Word is that in the midst of troubles and trials, we shouldn't fear because our God is abundantly available. He's abundantly present to help us. And when troubles surround you and stand firm in the presence of God, would you please stand with me as we read from Psalm 46 today? Please stand for the Word of God. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear? Though the earth be moved, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, 
Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariots in fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity that I get to open your word and preach your words. God, I pray that you would let them be yours and not mine. And I pray that your word would do a miraculous work in this body today. We thank you for mothers. And we thank you for the, the many blessings that you have wrought in our lives through mothers. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So the first thing that we're going to see from Psalm 46 today is that God is present in our time of need. And psalm, this psalm opens up with uh, the first verse being a, a type of thesis statement, if you will, that God is our refuge and God is present with us. I think that we would all agree with that. Even from the, the newest believer to the most mature believer, everybody knows that God is with us. There's more to this truth, though, to uncover. There's more than just this, uh, this kind of overall summary that God is our refuge and God is present. So I first want you to consider with me the fortitude of God's presence. And this is found in the beginning of verse 1. God, God is our refuge and strength. God is the one who provides refuge and strength for us. In the Israelite context, we need to consider where they found their security or where people of their time might find their security. They would find it in armies, weapons, high walls maybe, and maybe for other countries and for other nations, they would find security in these things, but not for Israel. No, when Israel followed God, there was no army capable of defeating them. There was no weapon equipped that could harm them, and there was no wall that could possibly keep them out. The psalmist was writing from experience here, for he had already experienced God's stronghold. God is a stronghold for him. What do men find security in today? And find security in, in money, power, fame, sex, wealth. Men take these things and they, they run to them for security and safety and even salvation. Men try to find salvation in these things. But none of these save, and you know that. You know that none, no, nothing can save but God alone. But sometimes we forget, if we're honest. Sometimes we, we pursue after other things. Our culture glorifies everything but God. Our culture is is pursuing a godless society that has nothing to do with Him at all. And sometimes in the midst of our culture, we forget to pursue God. We forget that God is the one who provides our salvation. We must remember that God is our mighty stronghold. God is not only a mighty stronghold, He is an available stronghold stronghold, an abundantly available stronghold at that. And we find this in the end of verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, and here it is, a present, a very present help in trouble. And what this, this word very present means is that God is abundantly available. He's, he's not just there sometimes. He's not there most times even. 
God is abundantly available. God is always there. He's omnipresent. God is not being pulled in multiple directions. God does not have an an errand to run and He can't meet your need in your time of need. God is always there and He's abundantly available for His children. Since it is Mother's Day, I decided I'd use a couple um, mother's illustrations. And so, talking about being available, my mom has always, always been there for me. And and I love her more and more for it. Um, I, I think back in elementary, middle school, and even high school, I'm ashamed to say that there would be days that I would go to school, um, and I, you know, I'd be in a pretty good mood, I guess, as much as I could be for school. Um, and I'd, I'd get there, and uh, I'd talk with my classmates, my peers, and I'd fig- figure out that there was a soccer game or a basketball game that day, and that I had not brought my jersey. And I mean, I loved playing sports, so I, I can't play without my jersey. So I'd have to go down to the, the school office, pass the secretary, ask her if I could use the phone, and this became such an occurrence that, you know, when I'd walk in about 9.05 that morning, she knew why I was there. She knew I had to call my mom. And so I'd call my mom, and she was always so gracious and kind, and I swear she would make time out of thin air because she didn't have time. She was always very, very busy, but she made time. And she would run home, and she would get that, and she would bring it to me. And more currently, you know, as I, I, I go through... Uh, different struggles with school or relationships or, you know, with money. I call her and she's there for me. But there are times that she can't be there. There are times when it's, it's late at night and I know I could call her, but I don't want to wake her up. There are times when she's literally too far away. She's hundreds of miles from where I go to school, from where I serve in the summers. Sometimes she literally can't be there. Sometimes she just doesn't have the raw capability to help me. But God is not so. God is always present. God never sleeps. God's always there for us. God is never too far away. He's omnipresent. He's always with us. God is not incapable of carrying out the needs that we have. Listen to this truth from Deuteronomy 4.7. For what nation is there so great? What people is so great? Which hath God so nigh unto them? as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for. Israel held firmly to the promise that God was with him, was with his children. And this promise is the same for us. God is so nigh. God is always ready and willing to help. And we can apply the truths of this psalm to us. This, this psalm was written on behalf of the nation of Israel, but now as Christians, as saved sinners, we are the nation that God has. We hear from 1 Peter 2.9, that ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Today, we are God's people, and these promises are for us. God was always abundantly available for Israel, and he will always be abundantly available for us. So because God is abundantly available, what should we do? And the psalmist is going to give us this answer in verse 2. If you would read with me in verse 2, Therefore will not we fear. The psalmist says, God is always present, so we're not going to fear. And so I ask you a question today. Who are you trusting? Who, whose presence gives you security? And this is an extremely important question that has to be answered. Who are you trusting to get through the next 24 hours? The sad truth is that many people, many Christians even, would claim that they trust God for eternity, 
they won't trust Him for the next 24 hours. They won't trust Him for the next week, next month. They won't trust Him in their job. But they'll trust Him for eternity. That cannot be so. That doesn't make sense. Look, look at what the psalmist is enduring here. Look at the world falling apart around him. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. These are things that are supposed to provide undeniable stability. The earth, the ground, and the mountains, these are things that are supposed to be unchanging and immovable. But when these things change, it's bad. I've never personally been in an earthquake. But we can look around and we can see the devastation that these have caused. And I'm sure here in California, you are familiar with the devastation that it can cause. When the earth moves, it's perhaps one of the most scary things because there is no building that can keep you safe, for the earth takes those with it. The world's greatest, wealthiest, and most powerful men try to burrow in their strongholds away from danger, but when the earth moves, there is nothing that can save them. Only God can provide salvation. There's no help found for them, but there is help found for the child of God. God is abundantly available to help and save his children. And if the psalmist is fearless here, we too should be fearless because God is abundantly available with us in all of our troubles. In verse 3, the psalmist continues his list of desolation. Through the wa- though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. In raging water, no man can save himself. He's at the mercy of what the water is going to do. Wherever the water takes him, he is going to be taken. I, I went uh, whitewater rafting once as part of a, a part of a camp experience, and it was just a level two. They go up to level five and six, I believe. These are waters that can easily drag you under and drown you or dash you into a rock, and you'll be broken to pieces. Thankfully, I didn't fall in, but I saw someone who did. And the helplessness that comes along with that is terrifying. But it's not so for God's children. God commands the waters. Listen to what Psalm 93, 3-4 says. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. But the Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. You see, our God is mightier than the waves of the sea. And if God can calm the winds and the waves, surely he can calm your weary heart. He can take care of you in your circumstances. He can provide for you. God's presence alone should be enough to secure us from all our fears. And we've seen that God is very present and that we should not be afraid of trials and troubles because God is present. But what about his presence should lead us not to fear? Where is God present in our lives? What does God's presence do for us? And this leads me into our second point, that God's presence allows us to stand strong against our foes and fears. In verses 4 through 7, the psalmist describes the presence of God for the holy city of Jerusalem. In verse 4, if you'll read that with me, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. This river that is being talked about is not a a geographical river. Instead, these are waters of life that God provides. Consider an ancient civilization with me. Uh, In ancient times, cities were built around rivers. Not not like we have today. They were built on rivers 
so that life could be sustained, so that trade could flourish, so that plants could grow. The river was extremely important to the well-being of the city. But in times of trouble, in times of war, when they were being attacked, when the people would come into the walls, the one thing that they could not stop was the river being cut off from the outside. And either one of two things was going to happen to the people inside the walls. They were either going to starve and and thirst to death, or they were going to have to come and fight outside the walls. And the end would soon be near when that river was cut off. But as God, as our river, He will never be cut off from us. He will never be cut off from the outside. He will never be found dry. God cannot be defeated when He is in us. God will never be defeated from the outside. The thing is, Jerusalem was not great. It was not sustainable because of itself. It would never have been sustainable without God. There was nothing inherently different about Jerusalem. There were other cities that had great builders, great walls, great armies. The difference that made the difference in Israel and the difference that makes the difference in us today as Christians is that it was filled with God's presence. God is in the midst of his city and in the midst of his people. And when God is in something, it will not be shaken. We find this in verse 5. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. You see, God's presence is the guarantor of deliverance. But not only does his presence provide stability in the midst of troubles and trials, but his help always comes at the right time. Look at the end of verse 5 with me. God shall help her, and that right early. Now that right early is a phrase that means at the breaking of dawn, at the beginning of the day. This is right after the darkest of all darknesses. In times when it seems like the night is lasting forever, When troubles and trials are overcoming you, God shows his face on the horizon. God rises above the troubles and the darkness of night and shows his face. And the thing is, God was always there. It's just that we couldn't see him. But God God brings the light of the new morning to us. He delivers his child right on time. Don't ever say that God is not on time. He's never early and he's never late because his will is perfect. Everything that takes place in the time where we're waiting for God to show his face is meant to draw us in a closer dependence upon him. For we can do nothing without God. The psalmist then gives a scenario of one of these dark, trying times in verse 6. Read with me. The heathen raged and the kingdoms were moved. In this account, the heathen are raging. They're revolting against God's perfect people and God's perfect will. In fact, the heathen are so angry that borders are shifting. It says that the kingdoms were moved. This means that kingdoms were coming together in resistance. They were breaking their borders apart. They were joining armies to take hold of God's promise and God's people. They are furious with what God is doing. And I think we can see that today, that people are furious with what God is trying to do in this earth. And they are joining together. They are They are banding together to break down what God is trying to build. But God will not let his children be overtaken. God is your stronghold in your abundant time of need. See what God does to protect his children at the end of verse 6. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. God spoke and the armies deteriorated. God's voice caused them to cower in fear. What exactly does this look like? Well, my family um, always does 
family reunions around Memorial Day. And I remember specifically when I was younger, I'm, I'm the youngest of three older, I have three older brothers. I'm the youngest, um, and so I've got three older brothers. Pretty much all of my cousins are older than me. Um, and so we'd go to family reunions. And uh, we'd have a, well, it used to be that we had family reunion football. Now all the dads and uncles are too old. But, uh, you know, we'd, we'd play family reunion football. And I remember this cer- certain situation. I was probably in second or third grade. And so, you know, imagine the teams. You've got a bunch of big, burly fathers and uncles on one team. And you've got all the sons and the nephews on the other team. And so we're, we're playing. And as a second and third grader, I was a youngest. I was, I was fat, but I wasn't too big. So I didn't get the ball very much. And so uh, there was one play where I got the ball. And I was as surprised as anyone else was. It must have been a fumble or something. So I pick it up, and I lift my head, and there in front of me stands my 6'4", 350-pound Uncle Chuck. And as you can imagine, I was struck with fear. I was paralyzed. And I, I, I took a step forward, and he took a step at me, and I just fell over. Because I, I couldn't do anything in opposition to him. He was too strong. He was too large. I couldn't move him. And he took a step at me, and then he engulfed me. And he wrapped me up, and we lost a lot of yards on the play. <laughs> and you see, the thing is that when God speaks, the nations melt back in fear and distress. They can literally do nothing in opposition to God. He is far greater. He is far mightier. He is so much stronger than the troubles and trials that this world has. And they back they back up in fear and distress because they can literally do nothing. And we should live in that truth today, that our mighty protector, our Father, is that God, and He does that for us. As we have seen, this power is not with us, but it's with God and God in us. We are secure because God is with us. And the psalmist will restate this truth in verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. The Lord of hosts, this is, this is a mighty title. This is a title for the warrior king returning from battle victorious. God is the one who fights our battles for us. But not only is he with us, not only does he fight our battles, but he is unchanging. And we find this in the end of verse 7, that the God of Jacob is our refuge. At the time that this psalm was written, the God of Jacob would have been 1,200 years prior than, God, than, than David, than the writer of this psalm. God remained faithful over that period of, of time. And if God remained faithful then, he's still faithful now. He's the same God who helped the people out of their abundant troubles. If God's people would remember his presence in unchangingness, so many more people would break past the fear that lies in front of them and they would follow him. See, the saddest thing today is that there are so many Christians who squander their opportunities because they're afraid of loss, they're afraid of, of mockery, of ridicule. I was talking yesterday with Pastor Ennis about people coming and serving in San Francisco, and there are, there are problems with this city as well as every other city. But we were talking about how people sometimes don't want to follow the will of God because they think that God will do something bad in their life. They think that, that God will do something that isn't good for them. 
How can a good and loving God do something bad with your life? He saved you to himself. God's will is best, and there is no better place to be. These people don't have their eyes set on the long term. It's because they're not keeping the end in mind that they're struggling with fears and and with carrying out his, his will. The truth is that as Christians, we win in the end. God wins in the end. In fact, God has already won, and we are on the winning side. And this is where we find our third and final point, that God's presence will assure us the final victory. This is found in verses 8 through 10. First off, see that the psalmist calls Israel to view God's victory. He says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he has made in the earth. Israel is invited to see the melting that God has just done to the heathen, the armies that were gathered against his people. These desolations are God's destruction of the enemy. God's presence, God's voice alone destroyed these armies. And there was nothing that Israel had to do but to let God fight for them. There's no mention of Israel doing anything in these verses. This is all God. And God is standing on our behalf fighting our battles. I I remember listening to a sermon by my pastor emeritus now. And he was talking about Israel fighting the battle of Jericho and how those walls came down. It was nothing that the people did. It was not their stomping, their marching. It was not their loud cry. There was not some kind of stability mess up in that wall. It was all God. And he said something that really stuck with me. And it's not original with him. I don't know who it came from, but it's so true. Israel was not fighting for victory. They were fighting from victory. You see, God had already won the battle of Jericho for them. God had already decided that they were going to win. All they had to do was follow. And the same truth goes for us today. God has already fought our battles. God has already won the battle. All we have to do is follow him and submit to what he has for us. The end is written, and the end will not change. We are on the winning side. And the psalmist continues with this list of desolations in verse 9. Read with me. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and he cuts the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. God ends all the wars. God's sovereign will is over this earth. There is no war started that God did not allow to start. And there is no war ended that God did not purpose to end. But see first that God protects his people from far off attacks. He breaks the bow. The bow is used, as you know, for far-off attacks to shoot and to harm from a distance. But distance is no problem for God. As we've already seen, God is omniscient. God is abundantly available. He is all places. The far-off attacks of ancient archers were no problem for him, and the far-off attacks that we suffer today are no problem for him either. The same truth goes for us today. God will protect his children from far-off attacks. And when it seems like we're fighting against the government and, uh, and we're fighting to get Christian things put in and they're turned down, or when our rights that were fought for and died for, when they are fought against now, or when the good moral laws that we used to have are now being overturned and replaced with immoral laws, when all these things are coming against us, God is there. These might not be directly against us, but be assured that God is fighting and God will not lose. Just remember that the victory that God has is not always our idea of victory. 
God has a different view. God has a higher, a better view than we have. And sometimes when we look out there and we wonder what God is doing, we just have to remember that He's sovereign, that His plan is better than our plan. His ways are higher than our ways. And victory for God might look different, but we have to trust Him. See, secondly, that God protects us from close personal attacks. He cuts the spear in sunder and He breaks the chariot in fire. These, these close attacks with the spear, or, or that would be committed with the chariot by horse, God is personally invested in his children. And you can be sure in the midst of troubles and trials that God is there. Maybe in the midst of relationships and problems, relationships that you have with people you love. In the midst of job troubles. In the midst of money troubles. In the midst of health issues. In the midst of hard school. In anxiety. In depression. In self-consciousness. In doubt. In any possible thing that you can imagine that is coming against you today, God is there. He is present. He is your helper. And nothing can come in your path that He does not allow. When your walls fall down, run to God. He is your refuge and strength. He is your stronghold. You see, sometimes God allows trials. Sometimes God really allows things that hurt but it's to bring us into a closer dependence on Him. Remember that everything that God allows for His children is good. These all exist to bring Him glory and to bring us closer to Him. Consider what Romans 8, 28-29 says. And listen. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And oftentimes people will stop there, right? God, you got it. All things are going to work out good. We're fine. It's going to be fine. But they cut off the context of the rest of this passage. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And here it is, to them who are called according to His purpose. For whom God did foreknow, He also did predestinate. And here is our purpose, to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. God has sovereignly ordained that we would become more like His Son, Jesus Christ. And sometimes that is going to come through troubles and trials, but we can trust because He's good. So now we come to verse 10. We've seen what the psalmist has said about God. This entire psalm has been the words of the psalmist saying, God is so good. He's so strong. He's so mighty. He delivers from creation. He delivers from foes and fears. But now we're going to see what God says about His strength and power. Read with me verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. God says first to be still. There are a lot of people in here striving today. There are a lot of people wrestling with troubles and trials. We've we've just come out of maybe one of the most difficult times as a nation, as a people, as as an earth that maybe has ever existed. And, And it's been tough. And I've been blessed to not experience as most hurt as much hurt as most people have. But God calls us to be still and to trust in Him. Not only does He call us to be still, but He says to know that He is God. There are a lot of people who know a lot of things about God. There are, there are a lot of things that you can know about God, but this, this know that He's calling for is not a, a factual know. In fact, um, I studied Spanish in high school. Can't really speak it. I'm sorry. I speak West Virginia Hick. I'm really good at that. 
But there are two verbs to know in Spanish. The first one, saber, is to know factually, to know about something. But then there's another verb, conocer. And this verb means to know, to know personally, to know what this person's about, to know their favorite color, to know what they love to do, to know what they hate to do. This is what God is calling us. He's calling us to know Him and to a deeper relationship so that we can know what He loves and we can love that and we can know what He hates and we can hate those things as well. This comes through meditating on the truth of God's Scripture that we have. And the Psalms are a great place to do this. The laments, the the various laments are raw expressions of raw emotions that we feel. There have been times where I've been angry at God. There have been times where I have been so sad with what He's doing. There have been times where I just do not understand. But at the end of every lament psalm, or some place in that psalm, the psalmist comes to the realization that God's promises are true, that God loves him. And today, we have to do that as well. We have to meditate. We have to know who God is. And when you come to the place where you know God's goodness, God's love, his mercy for you, you can be assured that no bad thing will come across your way and that all he has for you is good. So why should we trust God's promises? Why be still? Why meditate on him? Well, we see the answer in verse 10, and this, this is astounding. God says in verse 10, Be still and know that I am God, and here's why. I will be exalted among the heathen, and I will be exalted in the earth. You see, our fight's over. Our battles are finished. The battles have been fought, the wars have been won, and God has already come out victorious. There are no options here. There's not a maybe. This is not God guessing at what's going to happen. No, this is his demand. This is his command. This is his sovereign will that he is victorious. God will be exalted among the heathen. God will be victorious in the earth. The rocks will cry out in praise. The lions will roar for him. The stars will shine for his glory. God will be victorious. And even more, we as sinners who have been saved by grace can find our final victory in Jesus Christ. You see, we couldn't do anything for ourselves, but God made a way. And Jesus came and lived the life that we couldn't live. He kept the law that we could never try to keep. He died the death that we so deserved. He became the sacrifice and priest that we could never be. And Jesus Christ rose as only God could from the dead. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your power? The mighty King of Kings has conquered over death, over troubles, over trials, and he has already won. You see, Jesus Christ is our Lord of hosts. Jesus is our warrior king. Jesus is the reason that today, as Christians, we can be on the winning side. And Jesus is the reason that God guarantees the final victory for his saints. Since God guarantees the final victory, we have no need to fear the troubles and trials of this life. So we come, finally, to verse 11. And it's a repeat of verse 7. I'm sure you can see that. And some people might consider this, this repeat just aesthetic, maybe just a nice way to wrap up the Psalms. Uh, it's a good-sounding verse, I think. But there's so much more happening here. In fact, I think the complete opposite. This is completely intentional by the psalmist. The psalmist knows that we're forgetful. 
The psalmist knows that we have trouble remembering that, that we are so blessed. The psalmist says in Psalm 103 that God remembers our frame. He knows we're dust. We're forgetful people. And so the psalmist, I think, has put this here as a reminder of God's power, that the Lord of hosts is with us, that he is present with us. Don't forget it. And that the Lord of Jacob, the God of Jacob, is our refuge. Don't forget that God is your stronghold. And we, we can only remember by meditating on this truth. I have a letter here. Um, it's a card and, and, a, and a written note. It's from my mom. And she wrote this, um, I believe, when I first left home for a really long time, at working at a church camp um, a summer ago. And she wrote it to me, and um, I remember just sitting there weeping tears of, of, of love for my mom. Because um, even though I was apart from her for, for one of the first times in life, she knew that I was following God's will. And, and she knew that I was doing what God wanted me to do and that that was best for me. And there are times in, in, in life where I will be struggling so internally with the struggles I'm facing and the troubles that I have. And I'll take out this card and I'll read what my mom has sent to me and written to me. And I'm reassured of the love that she has for me. You see, as Christians, we've got to do the same thing with God's letter to us. God wrote this to us so that we could know him, so that we could know his love, so that we could know he's a stronghold in times of need, so that we could know that in the midst of troubles and trials, we shouldn't fear because an abundantly available and abundantly present God is with us. And this is the application for today. Meditate and know God's word, and you will not be found wanting. You will lack no good thing. As Psalm 23 says, the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me as the pianist comes? There are some people here who have really been struggling today, who have, who have been struggling with doubts and fears about God's goodness, about trusting him, about God's perfect plan for their lives. And God knows that those doubts and fears will exist. But as you sit in your seat, I would like you to come to God. Come to Him. Call out His name. Call for Him as your stronghold, as an abundantly available God. And call for His promises. Because He is so good and He is so amazing. Would you pray? Thank you.